come take a listen and a pause to all of the flow, to the places of wonder and thoughts with insights to grow. So take a sit or a walk, perhaps with a pot of tea, to explore flow beyond what the eyes may see. Happy holidays. Mm. Yes, merry, merry holidays. <laughs> merry days of the hall. I hope that these holidays are a little merry, independent of what the holidays may mean, because I feel in this COVID world, some of that holiday spirit may be a bit dampened. Yeah, I think you're pointing to this restriction that we all feel, this physical restriction with people that we love. And it's unlike any other holiday we've ever experienced before. I mean, every year is unlike any other year that we've had before. That's that's just kind of how it goes. But I think this year we're forced to kind of tune it down in many ways. And it kind of flows into what we will be talking about, Sarah, and that's wonder of simplicity and how that can create ripple effects in our lives. Simplicity might be mundane, small moments that we may encounter in our lives with other people or just personally. I feel called to share this idea, to share this kind of theme of the ripple effects of our lives because COVID has forced us in many ways to turn towards simplicity. And so how can we thus generate more powerful, impactful, meaningful moments from this place of simplicity? So Sarah, I have a question for you. In full disclosure, listeners, I do not know what she's going to ask me. (laughs) And basically, uh, our conversation is intended to be structured by questions that prompt moments and memories to share. Okay, take it away. All right. Mentally prepare yourself uh, in three, two, one. Sarah, what was some meaningful thing that altered your life course, your selfhood or your beliefs that at the time seemed quite insignificant? Oh, gosh. We're going deep today. All right. Brain. Knock, knock. Okay. All right. I I have one. I will try and make this short and sweet. When I was an undergraduate, I went to this party, which is my seemingly insignificant experience through a series of events. I ultimately ended up having a concussion that night. And at the time, I didn't know how serious it was. I honestly, I didn't really know what it meant or I didn't even think I had it at, you know, at the time. And then over the next few days, I became more aware of my lack of cognitive ability um, and many other symptoms. And it ended up just changing my course of how my rest of my semester went. 
and with academics as well as how I thought of what the self is and what consciousness is because of how dramatically my self changed and how I felt so drained in so many ways. I know it's not holiday cheers, but it lent some insight to how fragile our mind and body is in ways that we may not think and that we get so used to living in ways that when it's altered, it will really shift maybe our appreciation for the things that we are so used to doing, like literally just walking so simple and yet it like changed so much for me and and my ability to just do the simple things I would say something that came from this was I I ended up starting yoga actually because of my concussion because of residual whiplash and headaches I was experiencing and that it was recommended that yoga might help relieve that in various ways and at the time I never really thought about yoga what it meant I remember my first downward dog was so uncomfortable I was thinking what the heck is this this is weird I'm on my hands and my feet at the same time and it's not to say that I wouldn't have found yoga if not for my concussion and who honestly knows what would have come from it I don't believe that my concussion happened for a reason I'm not grateful that it happened though I think something that came from it was this yoga practice that has changed my life in so many ways and has led me to so much personal discovery as well as just how my interactions and my beliefs have changed around me kind of leading from one event from one night. Mm. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. Reminds me often of when I hear inspirational speakers talk about or reflect upon their lives and how they got to, you know, where they are literally on a stage talking to other people. And often you'll find that they speak of the most painful experiences, the truly shadow parts of their lives, the places in the in the darkness, that in the moment of experiencing that, witnessing that darkness, it feels like no goodness can come from this. As it's complete darkness, like how could there be light at this point yeah it's it it's almost seems like it's that catalyst for real change to take place for real insights and really going into the depths of our psyches uh, like you were saying how how this concussion changed how you viewed consciousness itself and so i'm just i'm stuck on that idea of how darkness in our lives can ultimately really alter the course of our lives in in meaningful ways. We will now be moving on to question two of four. And as we continue this episode, perhaps you can take these questions upon yourself for some reflections and maybe some memories that may surface. I have a question for you now. All right, I'm going to try to mentally tidy up in in the brain, so to speak. We're going to be (laughs) flip-flopping. 
<laughs> we'll, we'll try to make a balance out of it. Uh, balance in the flow, but all right, Sarah. What is a moment with a stranger or strangers if multiple memories come that lent some residual impact? And I preface this by saying that I asked this question because I view strangers and kind of the simplicity aspect of strangers seem like people we meet and then we never meet again because we label them as strangers without a name and that it just seems so simple and and innocent and mundane. And I'm wondering, Sophie, if any of these interactions became something more for you. Mm. I've called this year so many different interactions with strangers, honestly. Uh, I find such uh, richness to these interactions because there's an ability to be completely vulnerable with a person because you have this sense like, oh, well, you know, we might not ever see each other again. So, I mean, why not just uh, spill out whatever I want to spill? But I'm called to uh, share a moment that I had uh, when I was staying in Santiago, Chile. I was visiting my host family at the time. So I, disclaimer, uh, for those who don't know, I previously lived in Chile for a year, my junior year of high school. And uh, I, I took another trip to, to visit my host family and friends back there. And I had to stay in Santiago for a couple of days alone. I think there was some logistical complication, but um, for the sake of time, I won't get into it. I will say, though, that for a majority of those days, I spent just wandering around the city. I find that I really enjoy doing that, just kind of exploring the city without a certain idea in mind of what I'm going to see or what I'm going to do and just let the journey itself take over. I found myself at Santa Lucia Park in Santiago and I was just, I really was just looking out into the park. There was, there was a really nice balcony that you could take pictures from and I saw people taking pictures and um, I was just, you know, just standing there just staring for quite a while. And this man approaches me and he asks, oh, can you take my picture? And from that kind of, simple innocent ask that many tourists do that kind of sparked a curiosity in in both of us and um so he asked something of oh you know where are you from which is another seemingly innocent question right so I often find with strangers there's this dance where you start at the very innocent and the very simple of like oh uh, you dropped something here's your camera or oh you know can you take a picture and and from that place you can start to kind of unravel a bit of their lives here I was in the park Santa Lucia and and then this man from from Haiti he asked me you know where I'm from and and then we get to talking right and there's there's just a sense I could immediately feel of just relaxation or just a gentleness uh to his character and so I felt quite comfortable around him and I feel that maybe I'm more trusting than I should be but I just kind of went with it and and we ended up spending the whole day just walking around together um getting food going to the museum and there was something that we talked about that 
that still kind of pops up from time to time in my consciousness. I remember we were walking at this architecture exhibit outside and we were talking about how I was going to go to Denmark for the next year. So um, I was going to study abroad again in in Denmark. And I I talked about this idea of the happiness index uh, for countries. So for those of you who don't know, it's a index uh, basically making a list or a ranking of countries and how they place in their, you know, general happiness as a society. And I was just telling him that I felt kind of skeptical about it. And Denmark was ranked, you know, number three for a while. So it was pretty happy as they ranked it. And I just wanted to know what that was all about because I didn't understand how a country could claim happiness, right? And he said something to the effect of, oh, you know, that that's a bunch of bullshit, basically. I'm from Haiti, and a lot of the media says that we are very poor, we're very unhappy, we have to survive all of this. And I find that being in Haiti, I'm filled with the most joy and the most uh, sense of love from the people and then you talked about how you know oh well you know my my family my grandma you know doesn't even have a car but I can tell you that she's happier than someone who's in Denmark and has all these things and still is seeking and wanting more you know I've, I've heard this idea before you know float around of the riches won't make you happy something about how Money does not equal happiness. But he just said it in such a way and, and from his own experience. And he was just so sure of it. It was almost like the minute I said it, he's like, oh, no, 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 that's not uh, that's not the case. And so I just keep thinking about what he said. Uh, and, and then I later, you know, studied in Denmark and that thought kept marinating in my mind. And it really impacted me because I did find that like in Denmark, there was a sense of things working together harmoniously in many ways, but I didn't find it to be any more or less happy, quote unquote. And it just really got me into uh, this investigation within myself. Okay, what is happiness? Is happiness something that can be generated on its own? I was starting to believe that you can't really search for happiness, that you must work on it, but kind of let it gradually come up there and kind of led me more into uh, Buddhism and meditation practice and to ultimately where I am today at at a Buddhist monastery. And so I don't know. I mean, what would have happened if he didn't say that comment? Could have been that the same trajectory remained, but it's still with me, what he said. What impacts me is just the fact that he talked about what really mattered, and that was loving other people. That's what really matters. So that that's my story. I'm curious from your story, you want to go into it. You mentioned that people didn't necessarily seem happier to you in Denmark. And I'm wondering, how did you assess that? How can we look at someone, interact with someone, and then make a judgment or not if they are happy. Yes, and see, this is where it gets really tricky, right? And th- and this is why it's, like, hard 
to even have like a happiness index in general because what indices are we measuring from? That's really important. And how are we measuring it? And for me, I would say it's coming from like my intuition and what I just can immediately sense within other people. And and usually it's coming from a place of does this person want more out of their lives and is feeling like they don't have what they want from their lives? Does this person view the world in a particular way that's more negative? Does this person genuinely practice kindness and and love? And and so these are kind of those more general questions. But Sarah, it's a really good question because it's so hard. It cannot be molded into a concept in a way. And so kind of trying to discover that for oneself is is a bit tricky. And I will say that this was just my experience and I have personal anecdotes that kind of strung together to give me this sense of, okay, this this society, it works harmoniously from what I have seen, but I feel like there's something more and I'm not getting it from here. And I don't know, it was just like a deep sense within my heart that I needed to understand happiness, but not understand it in, a, in the conceptual way. Have you ever played back particular moments in your life with that type of what if and thinking back on everything that could have been different and everything that came as a result? That is what we are exploring up next. Well, we met in Denmark. What do you recall of that of that moment when we met? I think that our encounter is one of definitely a what if type of experience. And I believe we had touched on this maybe in our first podcast. It was one where I've I've talked to some people about it before of literally I could play out a series of events that led us to each other through some mutual friends and then a moment of what if I hadn't sent this message to one of our mutual friends that I didn't even know who this person was. It's more of like, hey, let's meet up type of thing. And then that led us to meet one of their mutual friends, which then led that mutual friend to <laughs> be friends with Sophie and <laughs> and yes this was there was so much that happened because I was meant to see someone that night and that ended up not happening I ended up staying and there's so many what if moments and I know that you were wandering as well trying to <laughs> trying to find some companionship and then you happened you know, to message our mutual friend. And I just think on that moment a lot because I don't think we really had any similar social circles. I didn't really have a circle. It's more of like a bunch of dots that somehow that sometimes connect with Mm. each other. (laughs) Same. (laughs) (laughs) Not to kid myself, there's no circle. (laughs) And we didn't really engage in similar activities that I was very aware of then. And then if we hadn't met, then so much would have been different. We wouldn't have gone to Sweden together, which was an experience that has really stayed with me uh, for so many reasons. We wouldn't have had our very short hours conversation. (laughs) And 
we wouldn't be having this podcast. Yeah, and we really we literally would not be having this conversation right now on this platform. And then that probably would, you know, someone out there in the future who might be listening to it, they wouldn't have had that uh, experience. And so it's kind of like through these reflections, I often find um, this treasure in seeing the magic in the mundane. I think also your question goes back even fundamentally in the sense that your question, while directed toward our experience together, can be applied beyond that experience and someone could take it beyond that to this fundamental, in my mind at least, fundamental idea of the what if. Because the what if is itself kind of like a simple question. It could in a way, be a, a little fantasy, a fun game to play with someone of what if I didn't literally make this turn? What if I hadn't met this person? What if, what if, what if? And sometimes I don't want to play it because there's no point. Like the what if in a way is not super relevant because we're not at that point. We're at this point. Yeah, it's like playing with ghosts. Hmm. Yeah, this what if is so simple and also not. It's it's so actually very complex because I think for a lot of us, we can play out this what if in our mind and kind of see the path of our life that has come to be and whether that be a job, meeting a friend that night, driving somewhere that ultimately led to some really impactful experience or decision that at the moment really seemed, you know, insignificant by playing out these what ifs. It can just show of kind of like the path not taken in a way of, yeah, there's this other path, but we went down this path. And just to kind of see, you know, what comes up from that. Mm. It reminds me of Robert Frost's you know, classic poem of two roads diverge. And then again, here, here we come again at this ripple effect of I learned this in elementary school and somehow I still remember this poem and I still have an imagery of this poem and why is that it's also helpful to understand like from our memories and our reflections of those seemingly small things that create these ripple effects that flow into something more meaningful and impactful why is it that it that it uh happened that way right like what is supposed to be mundane, what is supposed to be just forgotten, why is it not forgotten? And and to give yourself that kind of reflection, I think can be really meaningful into your own life as it is right now. If we go towards the opposite end of the spectrum of those supposedly meaningful or impactful moments, you know, these things that in our culture we deem as important, sometimes we, we can completely forget them. They're just meaningless to us. And so, Sarah, my question to you is, like, have you ever experienced some sort of life event that should have been impressionable but turned out not to be? I guess the first thing that's coming to my mind is graduation of college. I think a lot of events in our lives can be a buildup. And at least for me, sometimes they feel anticlimactic. And maybe that anticlimactic perhaps comes from 
some prior expectations of something. Well, with graduation, I finished my undergrad in May of this year. Well, it was very different for everyone, of course, because of COVID. I graduated virtually, I guess you could say, in my parents' house. And I will say that my parents' way of celebrating was actually probably more special than my actual graduation would have been in person in the sense that my parents basically makeshifted a graduation. My mom got this purple gown because purple is one of my favorite colors and a purple graduation cap and they played music and my mom had a diploma made and my dad was in the house. My two siblings were not and they videoed virtually and they gave me presents. It was like this whole little ceremony. It was also in this room I call the Bali room because I was meant to go to Bali this past summer with a one-way ticket actually to become certified in yoga. I was not able to do that for COVID reasons. And my mom basically created this Bali room. That actually was rather significant to me because I was very touched by the effort and love that was evident through these acts of, well, they were a surprise for me. And that I think that significant moment of graduation was never really important to me because yes, while it meant I was reaching an end to start a new beginning, with that came various accomplishments. It was more so I was basically indifferent to graduation. I remember even before COVID came about, I actually wasn't going to go to graduation. I had planned a Southwest road trip with a good friend of mine to go to various national parks because I deemed that more important than walking across the stage, mm-hmm. at least for me. I mean, right? So some people, they find that really important moment in their lives. And for me, I I deemed it not really worthwhile I'd rather have a memory of you know climbing a mountain than graduation and all this is to say is that for me I didn't feel that this milestone of graduation was something that I was going to remember years down the road and think oh what a beautiful day I think it was more of me acknowledging all that I had done in those four years of undergraduate was enough for me and that I was more wanting to have memories with someone than graduation. And ultimately, like I said, it ended up actually being quite lovely because of all the the kind gestures that my family had done for me. I'm particularly struck by how your family kind of did these things for you but I'm also wondering like I'm sure they would have done kind things for you if graduation had been the normal one quote-unquote and so it's kind of like what made this different was it the unexpectedness of having any structure at all you know it's it's like COVID took away those rituals and those rites of passage that are often so normalized and in, in, in being normalized, it's almost like they become stale or just kind of what you do, but not memorable. And, and, and so the memorable speaks to more like what we value and who 
we want to be and what we treasure rather than what culture, what society deems as as monumental. I would guess that your family would attend your graduation and do that as an act of kindness and give you a gift and do that as an act of kindness. But what was it about deviating from the plan that felt so memorable? I think it was when I was with my parents at that time or at that period, I knew I wasn't going to have an in-person graduation, which again, I wasn't going to go to anyways for my road trip. And I knew at that point I wasn't going on a road trip. And and I knew at that point I wasn't going to Bali. And all of these unique experiences that I was going to have that would lend a lot of value for me, I knew were not going to happen when I thought they were going to happen. And with that, it came a lot of various emotions and a lot of no, I basically didn't have any expectations for graduation because everything I thought was going to happen didn't by basically recreating a graduation or creating a space for Bali for me was acknowledging what I had lost and also celebrating what I had accomplished as well. And I think mm-hmm. I think that's why it resonated with me, even though my parents probably and my family would have done nice things for me after graduation they were supporting me through these experiences that I was going to have that I didn't. And by them basically acknowledging the loss of it through a celebratory manner, that stayed with me because I didn't expect them to. I didn't think they were going to. And it just shows how much kindness and generosity that they went through in order for me to have those experiences with them despite me not being able to have them the way I would want them to be. Mm. So it's almost like that generosity in contrast with the loss kind of heightened that sense of um, appreciation. Mm -hmm. Yes. Have you ever noticed parts of yourself being absorbed within another person and vice versa? These are interesting ways in which people affect us and how that ripples through our relationships. Coming up next. I have a question for you, Sophie. All right, Sarah. Spill the tea. Okay. I guess I'll have to spill the tea and then you (laughs) serve the tea. I don't know. It's just (laughs) shoot away. All right. We'll have tea. Okay. (laughs) As people will often say, humans are social creatures. And that, at least for me, sometimes I'll, will pick up on things some other people just based on how they interact and I'll notice my mannerisms change and everything is kind of small things that actually can be quite meaningful and I'm wondering for you Sophie are there certain quirks or mannerisms or just anything about a person or persons in which you found to be meaningful and or you found yourself basically taking on those quirks within your own self <laughs> the short answer is yes. I actually feel that 
I'm the kind of person that like absorbs environments or I take on people's expressions quite easily and subconsciously. And, you know, I, I feel that's a personality quirk of my own, you could call it. And there are many things that, you know, my friends and family have said and keep saying like it's, it's a quirk of theirs that when I'm around them, it just brings me such joy. When I'm around them, I start kind of mimicking their own behavior. So I have a friend. She's a really special, important friend in my life. Uh, I met her kind of one of the first couple of days of college. And this is another story of like, we met so serendipitously. She just asked me my name uh, as we were walking to the library. And if she hadn't have done that, I would never have known her the way I do now. And so it's another one of those really small little innocent interactions that ends up being just such a rich story and connection. So she's from Malaysia, and she often talks about how she feels a bit othered by her accent because it's not quite, you know, Malaysian accent in the way that, you know, stereotypically Malaysians would speak. And it's not quite a British accent and it's not quite an American accent. It's some sort of like unique combination, unique emergence of all those things. And when I'm around her, I can see myself start to talk like her. And it's actually quite interesting. I've noticed that some people will actually like comment about that with me. There are certain little phrases that I say, for example, I yo. I say that sometimes when I'm around her and it's, uh, I think it's a Cantonese expression, if I'm not mistaken, of being like frustrated or like uh, uh, angry, kind of like blocking um, or annoyed, something like that in that vein. It just comes out of my mouth so easily. And so I spent actually some time in Malaysia with her one summer. And after I came back, I just wanted to say it all the time. And I kept having to stop myself, like force myself to not say it. And it, and it felt uncomfortable because I just, it just kind of, it rang a bell. Like, I, yo, I don't know. It's just something about that. It, it resonated. And then there's also a saying that, that she has. Uh, I think this is also coming from Cantonese. It's dapao. And that's kind of like taking leftovers. So do you want to dap out this? Um, also, some of my friends uh, were, you know, studying in Korea or learning Korean. And so they would say things in Korean. And just by being around them, I would uh, start to pick up some Korean. So Hanguko Korean. I know Anyo, Ne, Yes, No, you know just random things like chuo cold because uh, my friend would always just say chuo chuo you know when we were out in the cold and I just it just really sticks with me and uh, one one last thing that I will say is that I tend to like talk like a baby or a small like innocent little animal almost when I'm around this friend and that can seem quite uh, weird and also kind of like what are you doing you're like 22 why are you talking this way if if you can hear me talking with my friend but I actually find it to be so loving in a way it's like we're kind of being babies together and I find that <laughs> just to be so innocent and cute and something that I really really enjoy and there's just so much more little quirks about her but also about other people that I could share but I think it would really last a long time if I went through all of them. Yeah, but it 
I think through reflecting on how people talk and the things people say, it kind of gives insight into um, how you relate to other people. And I find that these very things can often lend to like these little moments in your day with that person that are like a glue that reminds you that you're very connected to them and how you speak and how you notice. Noticing very small details, particularities about a person really, I think, expresses your intimacy with them. Again, we're coming back to this idea of like these very small moments that create these really big ripples of meaning, of impact, because it shows us that those small things aren't actually small at all. They really say a lot. There's this quote that Sophie had shared with me before a conversation. I'm wondering if you can share that with us now. So this quote is by uh, an author, meditator, uh, public speaker named Young Pueblo. And I follow him on Instagram. And, you know, you see so many things on Instagram. But this quote really struck me. I actually have it on my blog. So it's something that's really uh, means a lot to me and, and something that we're centering this conversation around. So it goes like this. What we do reverberates through time and space. Like a rock thrown into a lake, the circles it creates move in all directions. End quote. An image that I come up with is skipping rocks. I think that's a visualization of a ripple effect where, well, I am personally no good at skipping rocks. I like to watch people who are good. You can see a small circle become larger and it comes out and it's another one, another one, another one, another one, and then it fades away. Mm. And then another one comes up. I think that this can really encompass this ripple effect of something at the center can extend its impact beyond the initial impact. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that sometimes the initial impact isn't even known when it happens. And then the the quote of going in all directions is, it's not just linear. It's not just one exchange between one person and another. Extending all direction is that you take your experiences and then thereby impacts another person, another being, another thing, your beliefs. And then they take that and it passes along and along and along and along. And the extending all directions is actually like a really powerful gift to have because we can take what we value um, and what we take from interactions or our experiences and we can subtly and also intentionally gift that to other people to then ripple it throughout their own experiences. Sarah, that was quite a moving, a touching comment. Um, I really resonated with what you said. It brings about this phrase called the plane of possibility. So the idea here is that every moment in life offers us this infinite expanse of possibility that we can tap into through our actions, through our thoughts, through how we choose to show up to life. It's also this loss of control because once we do this action, it reverberates. And sometimes we have no idea how that's going to reverberate in the world where other things are reverberating, right? And I speak about this 
plane of possibility in a poem that I wrote. Perhaps we'll never know. Perhaps we'll never know what will be said at our funeral. Perhaps we'll never know what's said behind our backs. Perhaps we'll never know the thoughts of another. Perhaps we'll never know all the gifts we bring or lack. With this uncertainty, we can wrap ourselves, attach ourselves to unsung words, paper thin. Making paper cuts to the skin just so we can win this guessing game we've lived in. With this uncertainty, we can lend our words to map onto reality's terms. We can tell one another how much we mean to each other. We can pay homage without death as background knowledge. We can ask more questions that opens doors into hearts and homes, arriving with a gift ready and leaving with more to know. Perhaps we'll never know in this autopilot zone the ripple effects in the pond of possibility. Each moment a chance to throw. Just one word, just one glance, just one moment of silence, opening up a loving expanse. And so it flows. Mm -hmm.